What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday morning. Welcome to the Brady Quinn Football Show! Yeah! Featuring Will Brinson. We don't need intro music. We got intro music. All right, made stuff. I'm Will Brinson. That's Brady Quinn. Today is uh, Tuesday. You're listening to the show. Coming up, we will break down everything, around, all the news and notes from around the NFL, discuss the hottest topics, et cetera, et cetera. We may even dive into some things that are, uh, uh, I don't know, like, like uh, Bill, th- we, we, we get into weird topics on this show. We don't plan them out. Sometimes they happen. <laughs> so I'm just, just you know, be warned. You never know what you're going to get. And then we will talk about the Seahawks and Vikings Monday night football game as well. Uh, but first, Brady, we're going to talk about the rookie quarterbacks as well, too. But I, I want to talk about the AFC playoff race with you because Thursday night's game against with the, between the Chiefs and the Chargers features two teams that I, I mean they're both going to make the playoffs. The Chiefs are eleven and two. The Chargers are ten and three. Uh, does the do you think the Chargers have a chance of winning this division? I do if I, if they could steal one on a short week on the road in Kansas City. Uh, that seems highly unlikely only because just how good Patrick Mahomes is playing. Yeah, and that I was think a question yeah. I, I no, asked myself. Sorry. Every single week is like when's he going to have that first year starter bad game? Like we kind of saw it on Sunday Night Football this past week, where Jared Goff played awful, Trubisky played awful. Like it was just a bad game, and you know the Bears end up winning largely because of their defense. But we haven't seen a game like that from Patrick Mahomes this year, and and so as as the weather's turned, we're starting to see um, not as big of, of offensive performances, uh, especially with the inclement weather. I'm waiting to see if there's, there, there's going to be that game this season. And honestly, because I love watching Patrick Mahomes, if that game's going to happen this year, because maybe it will, maybe it won't, but if it's going to happen, I hope it happens for him in the regular season. I hope that game's not in the playoffs. I hope it's not. Like, they have this wonderful season, this amazing offense that is just, it, again, it, it's so much fun to watch, so many different things to keep your eye on. And then they get to the playoffs, and it's the same story. Like, they can't get over the hump because he has one bad game and ends up throwing a bunch of picks. Where, like, those plays that, for example, he's scrambling to his right, throwing across his body to Tyreek Hill downfield, you know, that play ends up being a pick once you get to the playoffs. You know, so I, I'm just, I, I hope if it does happen, that it happens in the regular season and not so much in the postseason because I do want to see this team make a run and be playing in the AFC Championship game. I am with you 100%. Worth noting. That the, uh, the kid, and I'd be curious, really, that I don't know why I asked you in the form of a Chargers question. What I wanted to do was ask you, like, how blown away are you by Patrick Mahomes? Thankfully, you're good at this and I'm not, so you knew how to redirect the, uh, redirect the question. It is worth noting, I think, that the Chiefs, by the time that the playoffs happen, very likely will have played, uh, all but at least one or maybe two Depending on how the number six seed and depending on the four and six seed with the Steelers and the Ravens shake out, um, of their opponents, of the possible opponents in the playoffs, because they've already played the, uh, the, the Steelers in week two. Of course, they'll play the Chargers twice. They played the, the Patriots in, in week six in New England. Um, and they played the Ravens this past week. So, you know, they've got experience with basically all the teams, unless uh, not counting the Texans. I mean, do you think that the Texans are good enough on defense to give them trouble? Do you think Patrick Mahomes could magic? Do you think seeing teams more than once is a problem? Do you think Patrick Mahomes is going to have just this, for lack of a better word, pants-pooping moment? I I don't feel like he will. I feel like he's got the ability to go over the top that's going to keep him. Like, he only had 250 passing yards when it looked like they were going to lose to the Ravens, and he finishes the game with, like, 395. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like, there's, there's no other way to put it. The throws he makes, you know, everyone's making a big deal. Oh, it was a no-look pass. It wasn't quite no-look, all right? He was periffing it out yeah. of the side of his eye. It was anticipatory. Like, it was, he, he anticipated it. He kind of almost it – was, it was more one of those where you kind of looked where you're going to be throwing it, and then you turned your head but then still kind of looked out of the corner of your eye to make that throw. I, but that's, still – That's a no pass, in, by the way. That's, that's I was <laughs> incredibly impressed, though, by the fact that – like he put it on his upfield number. Like you couldn't have put it in a better spot. So he's got that down. I, I just – at this point, I wonder if, if some of those passes are going to eventually come back to get him. And it's almost the Brett Favre syndrome, which I'm sure Andy Reid at one point in his career dealt with, where you know, you're, you're kind of saying to yourself, all right, like in, in one vein, we look, for example, at you know, Monday Night Football. There's an example of Russell Wilson. Uh, it, it's, it's right before halftime. They got the football. He rolls out to his right to sprint out. He can't afford to take a sack. Nothing's there. And instead he rolls back around to try to make a play and then to try to throw a touchdown pass. The problem is, in, in, in lieu of what's happening, he knows he can't take a sack, so he throws it up to try to throw the football away. He gets picked off. Now they end up with no points before mm-hmm. half, right? Like, that is vintage Russell Wilson. He's made a lot of plays doing that. The problem is when you, when you all of a sudden do it in a tight game and it doesn't work out, like, it comes back to bite you, and it may be the play that ends up causing you to, to lose the game. Uh, and, and then I see some of that sometimes with Patrick Mahomes, and it hasn't caught up to him this year, but it, it, that's – and we always used to talk about it, especially the longer you play in the league. It's, it's like rookies or first-year players, they just have that luck. It, just, it works mm. out in their favor for whatever manner. And then the older they get, it's like those sorts of plays end up not working out in their favor. So uh, we'll see if it can, it can continue on. I think the Chargers, because of just how complete they are as a football team, I think they'll, they'll end up being able to give them a pretty good challenge. Uh, but talking about a team that could poop or a, someone that could poop their pants, the Chargers are kind of that team too, right? Like oh, yeah. we, we expect them to make a run, then all of a sudden Phillip Rivers just takes a big old dump, dump you you know, dump. here in December. <laughs> just like well, it's almost like you know why he's riding back and forth. Remember he used to have that uh because he's commuting from San Diego, so he's got this like pimped out van. He yeah. like there's no yeah. bathroom in there. I've seen it. It's nice. It's got like a You've nice chair, it? but just oh yeah, they showed it. They've, they've actually done like interviews. Oh right, right, right but you've it. never like been in it. No, no, I wish I could. I mean, if I ever make it down to San Diego, I'm just going to cold call Philip Rivers and say, hey, buddy, can I just see this, uh, can I see this vehicle you got going, this like film breakdown vehicle that you had made? It's kind of cool. Do you think, do you think that when he gets done, like coming back from his commute, that he has his driver, like cruise him around San Diego for an extra hour? Like, to, like, uh, so on Tuesday, on Monday night, I had like to go out. Cocktail hour? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, or like a maybe hard cider hour. I don't, whatever Phil drinks. I don't, do you, do you does, I don't, I don't think, does he drink? He might drink. I, don't know if he drinks. I mean, he strikes me as having got to have a beer or something. Yeah, maybe like probably like a a, a high like life guy's guy. Yeah, like, high, yeah, but he's not he's not pounding IPAs or anything. Like I bet mean, he's drinking like a high life or a Coors Light or something. What is with IPAs? That's like such an in vogue thing right now. Everyone, it's like they're it's ready. not they're not really that good. Could you be honest? I, yeah, sure. If you want, I think yeah. I think people do it for the image. And now there's like <laughs> what? Like there, there, there's like double filtered or something or triple th- I mean it's, yeah. it's getting out of control a little bit it, like it, now, is, it is out of it, control it's too hoppy it's, it was cool because you had all the hops now, now it's like too hoppy yeah people I'm actually enjoying the like scaling it back a little bit maybe going back to the roots and you know like drinking like a regular IPA it, the, the double the double the double hop now you have like the double dry hop and the imperial yeah, IPA it's too many hops yeah, it's, it's just way too many it's, it's you, all, you can't 
it, it's kind of like your celebrations, right? You can only get so many pumps. You can only have so many hops, too. <laughs> You're a four-pump man. Uh, what do no, you – three, uh, three, three pump Don't go that far, Will. Yeah, who do you think I am? I thought, do, I even, yeah. do I even know you? Um, <laughs> what do you think about this tweet before we continue on to the Chargers? Uh, this is Guess who this tweet is from. I love Patrick Mahomes and his game, but throwing no-look passes will not pay off in the long run despite all the drooling over it by the media. Pete Prisco. <laughs> Did you see the tweet? No, no, that is literally how well I know Pete Prisco. And, and look, there's a portion of that that is true. Um, but, but of course it's true. It's so obvious it's true. No one thinks that Patrick Mahomes should be throwing lots of no look passes. That would be yeah. the stupidest thing on the planet. He would get intercepted at least 65% of the time. Right. It's it's like, okay, for example, like, have you ever driven, like, late at night? I'm saying, like, you're coming home 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I'm not saying you're, like, out at the bar or something. I'm saying maybe you get in late from a flight, gets delayed, you get in late, get in your car, start to drive home, and you're sitting there at a light, and it's red. And there's no one around. Right. Like, no other cars on the road. And, and you're just like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take off. Like, it, it's not advised. You shouldn't continue to do it. Uh, it there's certain times in which you can get away with it. But eventually someone's going to come screaming down the street or there's going to be a cop waiting that you didn't see it's going to pull you over, right? So it, it, it's kind of one of those deals. Like, it's convenient. It's nice. It's, it's you know, fun to get away with. Uh, you know, you almost, like, get a little snicker out of it. But <laughs> then when you do get caught or you get slammed by some drunk driver who is coming home from the bar at that point, it ends up working against you. Probably a terrible analogy. Um, but I, I do – I'm not surprised that Pete uh, – tweeted that out yeah right, right. But i just think it's hilarious that pete's like guys patrick mahomes can't get away with no look passes forever it's like yes pete we we know that. thanks pete <laughs> thanks. wow thanks for the reminder dad hard, hard to believe you've been doing this for 30 years pops thanks, uh, <laughs> thanks dad yeah exactly uh so back to the chargers yeah i think that thursday night's game is sets up so perfect for the chiefs uh they are a three point only a three point favorite it's like minus 125 so probably shifting to three and a half i'm I, hooked I'm hooked. I'm taking the Chiefs all day now because their defense has even gotten better. And I think because they play from ahead a lot, it allows the edge rushers now to get better. And look, Eric Berry, maybe he's back. I mean, we said that the entire season. But once they do get him back, like, I think that'll help their defense. But, you know, as we continue to talk about the AFC playoff picture, I've – there's two teams right now that that kind of bother me. Okay. I shouldn't say bother me. I just don't think that um, they're as reliable as they once were. Is that a fair way of putting it? One of them has to be the Steelers. That is one of the teams. And um, there's going to be another team that I'm going to throw in there, and you may just go, oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. I, I think it's going to be the Patriots. Yeah. So here's what I compare both those teams to. Uh, there was only one car I ever wanted in my entire life. Only yeah. one car. What was it? It's the car that I have. It's a 1973 Bronco. You have and a 73 Bronco? Have we talked I have about a this? 73 Bronco. Have we, yeah. have, have we talked about this before? No, no, but I, I found it in Ohio. I got it for 9800 bucks off of some nice gentleman, threw some Mickey Thompsons on that thing, ripped the hard top off, um, put on a soft top, and then once I moved down to Florida, obviously brought it down. It's kind of like the That's what you drive? Is that what you drive everywhere? Is that like your – It's essentially what I drive right now most places I go. Um, What's your it's got other? Got a two Edder block inside, so you can hear it coming from about a mile away, and it runs yeah. really rich. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've got a decent contact eye from the uh, fumes <laughs> from the gasoline. What's your uh, um, What's your What's your What's your daily car? I mean, like you know, if it's you know, if it's like a Mercedes. you know what, it, it's funny you bring that up. I've been Ubering and Lyft uh, lately because, really? long story short, I travel so much during the season. I was talking to my wife about this. I was like, "There's no point in me having a car." Because I can drive the Bronco around enough, yeah. and that I'm really out of town three days a week. 
So I, I might as well just wait until after the season and, and get something done. I have a uh, 96 Bronco in my garage. Ooh, that's like the OJ style. Though. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, OJ's just white, mine's black. Um, uh, five speed. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, um, anyway. So anyway, the reason why I bring up that, Car talk uh, with Will and Brady. Yeah. The uh, reason why I bring up the Bronco is, uh, there's times when it breaks down, right? It's like, it's like, it's an old car. Sure. Like it, it's got a 302 header block in it. It runs great most of the time. Uh, but sometimes there's some stuff that doesn't work. You know, like sometimes my gas gauge doesn't work and I've, I've just got to kind of figure it out, right? Like, okay, I'm running out of gas. Got to flip through their tank and find a gas station too. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's not as reliable as it once was. And I think you're seeing that with the Pittsburgh Steelers where, you know, they might play great defensively one game and then all of a sudden their offense just isn't clicking uh, or vice versa. And, and then you look at the Patriots and look, Gronk does just not look the same. Bottom line, there's no explosion. Whatever he's dealing with his back, I think it's legitimate. I think he's tough as nails because he's fighting through it, but he does not look the same. Tom Brady does not look the same, and he hasn't really looked the same since last year. There was times when I watched him, I thought, this is, feels like it's starting to be the beginning of the end with it. Mm. And, and I just I feel like he's not as accurate. We obviously know he's not going to move as well. Uh, and, it, and it's almost as like, I know he's big into pliability, and he's working with his trainer and all that, and they're, and they're big on, you know, you know, Keeping, keeping as, as flexible as possible, keep it as pliable as possible. But it's almost like there needs to be a certain element of, of like strength to it. Because I feel like as the season's gone on, the arm, the arm strength doesn't feel like it's there. It's not as much there either. And he's not fighting through stuff as much as I think you saw before to make uh, as accurate passes and mm. fitting the balls in the tight windows. So um, that that's part of it. And then I think the last thing is when you think about like that Miami mir- miraculous or miracle play. Um, that's like that. That's kind of the epitome of like where I feel like this is starting to fall apart for them. I mean, the How one so? thing you could rely on in New England was situations. Like they were the best team executing in, in situations: third down, red zone, two minute, whatever it was. Like they were better than you. And then that play, that play. I don't know why they thought Gronk needed to be out there for starters because they're going to throw a Hail Mary. I mean, Tannehill can't throw it 75 yards. No, nobody can. Um, <laughs> well, Josh I mean, Allen can. Yeah, Josh Allen, Patrick uh, Mahomes, and Taylor Heineke can. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it. Well, I don't know. Maybe Heineke can get it there. He can get it like got 70. I think 75 might be too far. Yeah. This uh, is, this but no, but, I mean, like, but it, makes, I mean, it may make no sense to have Gronk out there. And Belichick didn't have any good answers for it either. He did say, like, he did put the blame on him, and I guess that's good. But why is your all-pro tight end? First of all, even if it's like a 50-yard Hail Mary – Maybe don't have the all-pro tight end with the bad back you're trying to save for the playoffs. Yeah, how about, like, Josh Gordon? He's not small. Yeah, like, yeah, he's healthy. W- w- was I missing something? Why can't Josh Gordon go out there? And he's like, moves, yeah, he moves laterally better. I mean, what do you <laughs> Yeah, well, you just tell me this much. Gronk, who's, look, taller, don't get me wrong, probably has a pretty long reach, but at that point you're going to be elevating and jumping up. I would imagine with Josh Gordon's reach and vertical, he could probably touch higher than Gronk can. Just, just a guess, aside from the fact that Gronk's not healthy. So – a bit surprised by all of that. But anyway, that was kind of like the signs of like this is maybe the beginning of the end. And look, I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make a run or be playing Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. I just feel like we need to start cherishing, you know, Tom Brady and Gronk and, and what New England Patriots have done right now. Because you know how this works. Like when it ends, it ends and it ends quickly. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's like falling off a cliff. It's not this gradual descent well and i think i almost think that i get the same i mean this is just how i kind of feel watching the patriots and we'll see how it plays out but that they understand that that finality might be there 
and that they're sort of playing this turtle game where I, or like the armadillo game. Do I talk about that on here? Maybe where it's you curl up into a ball or you, you know, hide in your shell, try yeah. and try it, like just try and get, like they just want to, they're going to go all out, I think, to beat the Steelers because if they beat the Steelers, they have the Jets and the Bills. And if they win those three games, they will get the bye because they have the tiebreaker over the Texans with the head to head. And so if you're the Patriots, you play this little, you know, get like hang in the, like hang in the corner and play defense, get the bye and then just, Hope that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski can summon up whatever they got left to make a run for the Super Bowl. And if you go out and you win and everybody retires and you walk away after that, it, it does feel though, I, like, I agree with you. It does feel like this might, um, I mean, there's a chance it's the last three to seven games we see out of Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, it, you just, you can't take it for granted. So as much as I'm, Painting this as like, oh, these you know these two teams are unreliable. I also think you have to just really sit back and, and appreciate their dominance, the dynasty that they've really been. When you think about their control of the AFC East and pretty much every other year going to a Super Bowl, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, but so, um, but yeah, the Steelers. Well, they, no, they but the, I was going to say the Steelers. The Steelers aren't unreliable. The Steelers haven't won a game since before Thanksgiving. That's 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 not unreliable. That's yeah, just if bad. you look at their roster, like. That's what's shocking about it. Right. And you look at them statistically and you kind of walk away and think they should be better than what the record says they are. They started, you know, Brady, like, Brady, they started one, two, and one, then went six and oh over their next six games, including wins, uh, at Jacksonville against the Panthers at home, um, at the, at the Ravens, uh, they handled the Browns. I mean, they, they went, they, you know, they beat these, all these divisional opponents. They slaughtered them and th- now they've lost, uh, three games in a row. Two of them on the road, I get it, uh, but you know, one they didn't have any business losing the Broncos. They had no business losing at home to the Chargers. They had no business losing against the the Raiders on the road, and now they have to play the Patriots, Saints, and Bengals to close out the season. It's trouble. Well, two of the three on the road are always going to be tough, but but it, it is tough to imagine. I mean, this past week, like losing to the Raiders, like holy cow. Yeah. I mean, that place is such a mess. By the way, uh, I feel bad for Reggie McKenzie because. You continue to look at Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper perform, and now he's gone, and you're sitting there like, what is this, this John Gruden can't help with looking at Reggie McKenzie because that's the guy that brought those guys to Oakland, mm-hmm. and they are great players, and you just couldn't figure it out, John? Like, like what's what, what, what's the thought there? Do you think that you think that's what happened? Somebody asked me on the radio, they're like, do you think Reggie McKenzie just got fed up today? I was like, no, nah, I think if anything, John Gruden got fed up because Khalil and, and, and Cooper yeah. blew up, and he's like, that's he it. look at them every day. It's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, yeah, these guys are really good players. You just couldn't figure out a way of making it work with them? Yeah. Like, you – uh, anyway, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but let's say two of the three good teams, two of those games on the road. It's the NFL. You know, I, I'll say this. You'll disagree, but from playing in it, you know, there, there are no bad teams. There, there's teams with bad records. And, and that's, you know, really, you know, how tight things are in the NFL. And you can talk to two bad teams, talk to two good teams. Everyone's always scared of losing. Everyone's always thinking, you know, we're, we're winning based on a few plays in a game and how he executed. So it's always tighter than what everyone thinks. No, no, I don't. I mean, I don't think that the Raiders are ever a free win. Nobody's a free win in the NFL. I, I agree with you completely in that respect. But I do, you know, I, I mean, I do tend to think that, um, you know, if you're a team like the Steelers, and the same thing goes for the team like the Packers, where you're supposed to be good, and you have take care of business games. And there were multiple moments where the Steelers blew opportunities against the Raiders to go in there and win. And this is something, too, that's been a, a hallmark of Mike Tomlin's tenure with the Steelers, is that they lose, uh, you know, 
bad, to bad teams on the road in games they shouldn't lose, in games that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady always win. They're, they're the games that Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger always find a way to lose. And like his excuse, Ryan Wilson pointed out on the podcast yesterday, but his excuse for for not having been out there, he's like, we had, we're worried about the the off the flow of the offense. The offense had a rhythm or something like that. It's like the offense didn't have a rhythm. You look terrible. You're losing to the Raiders, man. What are you doing? Yeah, look, I don't take much from, you know, coaches' comments after games. I, honestly, yeah. you, you, know, you know what's going through your head when you're a player or a coach there? For the majority of the times you have to take the podium. Why do I have to talk I just to these wanna, a-holes? I, <laughs> I just want to get off this, this podium and, and go on with my life. Like, yeah. I, seriously, I mean, it's just, you know, lose or win, you just kind of want to move on and talk about it. But I mean, that, that's how you're always, like, geared and driven is everything's looking forward. Everything's looking into, like, right now and looking forward. And, you know, once once the game's over with, you're in your mind thinking, okay, what do I need to correct? What do I need to move on and think about next week? So, yeah, all right, fair enough. Yeah, I just – I think you go back when you – when these coaches actually have the opportunity to break down the tape, talk with their staff, talk with the players, they usually have a much better perspective on, okay, this is a miscommunication. Maybe it wasn't communicated from our staff of what I wanted as the head coach or there was, you know, something that was said that shouldn't have been and it, and it is on us, like – Typically, that's why you know, it sounds cliche when they say, well, I've got to go back and watch the tape. And then people get all excited about Sean McVay having a photographic memory. I mean, well, on. just because he can name you know, the entire starting 11 on a defense, yes, yeah, so can I. Like, yeah, like, it, that's my job as an analyst. Uh, that's not that impressive. If it's What's Wednesday, impressive is a play calling. If it's Wednesday and you can't name the 11 starters on defense on the team you're going against as a play caller, then you shouldn't be a play caller. Like, yeah. that's, or at least like name like the positions and the numbers and everything that, that's involved there. Yeah, I, I, all right, so let, do you think – I mean – well, I don't want to get off on a tangent. Do you mean, I don't want to get off on a tangent about how it, I think it is more difficult because there's so much going, you know, the, the, the camera is always focused on the, on the head coach. Like you see shots of in primetime games. It's constantly like shot at Mike Tomlin, shot at Ben Roethlisberger. And that's sort of the narrative of what we're thinking in our heads as we're watching the game. But in reality, there's a bajillion things happening down on the sideline, noise everywhere, guys trying to communicate different units, different coaches, trainers coming over, talking to the coach. I mean, it's a lot more than just standing there and, and I mean, I mean, right. Like that's, I think that gets lost a little bit in watching it on TV. Yeah. Look, there's a ton of communication going on. There's a lot of people in your ears and different things that are being said with all the decisions that you're making, you know, whether it be, you know, who's telling you the analytics of it, then maybe you're factoring in the health of a guy or, or what the players are telling you. I mean, some coaches are more receptive to how players feel about what they're doing. You know, when I was with Mike McCoy in Denver, one of the reasons why I think we were able to run the football so well is because, they, he listened to guys like Chris Cooper. And Chris would be like, you know, hey, this will be a good thought here. We think we can get this done up front versus these guys. And, and you'd see that down up the next series. So um, that's, you know, every staff's different how they handle it. And it's, it's much more complicated than what people realize. Uh, all right. So on the Steelers, would you rank how you would want, if you're a team, let's say you're Kansas City, because I don't think anybody wants to face Kansas City. And they're the only team in the AFC that's clinched the playoff bid. Rank how you would want the to face these in the order you don't want to face these teams. Uh, New England, Houston, Pittsburgh, Chargers, Baltimore, Colts, Dolphins, Titans. Is that too many teams to rank? Gosh, yeah, they're not all making the playoffs, buddy. Jeez, pick well, which ones you want. Well, all right. Uh, you you get the Titans? No, the Titans are 7-6. and six. I mean, They're tied for the – they're just losing the wild card. They're losing a wild card on a tiebreaker right now. Let's be honest, though. Like, as miraculous as the Dolphins play was – are we really buying they're going to make the playoffs? They have at Minnesota, Jacksonville, and at Buffalo, so probably not. 
well, look, I'm not saying they're not going to be able to beat Jacksonville and Buffalo. Are they go nine, nine but, and seven. But, but if they, nine and seven may make it in. Maybe, nine and seven they might get it in. <laughs> yeah, Titans in the nine and seven Titans, might make it in. Titans and the but Colts have to play like, each other. The Colts have the da- Cowboys and Giants at home, and then the Titans on the road. The Titans have a pretty easy schedule at the Giants, Washington, and then the Colts. I mean, Titans can get in. Well, I'll put it this way: since you gave the whole entire list, Miami and, and, and Tennessee are obviously last. Like those okay. are the teams I'd love to there, play. There you go, perfect. Yes. Okay. Okay. Colts are right there with them. Okay. And then it's really after that it comes down to the the looking at probably the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh, like the AFC North teams. Okay. And it's only because look, both defenses are really good. And like I said, like statistically looking at the rankings, the Steelers' offense and defense are playing well. It's just you know again they can't put it all together. You know, and play complimentary football every single week. Like they can't string anything together besides the, the six-game winning streak they had, where they're playing some good football. Now it's the exact opposite. Um, but those those two teams, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, probably next. And then it comes down to probably Houston and um, New England. Look at it. Probably Houston next, and then LA and New England. I okay. mean, New England's still New England, and I think you just you know you're always concerned about having to take them on, especially if it's in Foxborough. Uh, and I give them the edge because we've, we've seen them be so successful in the postseason over the L.A. Chargers. But the L.A. Chargers as a team and how they're playing, uh, that would be like that next team I would not want to have to play. Yeah, and somebody's going to have to play. The, I mean, again, they're 10-3. and three, They're getting into the playoffs. They're, they haven't clinched yet, but they're very close. Somebody, and it looks like it's going to be Pittsburgh because I don't think they'll make up um, one and a half games on the Houston Texans. Houston, by the way, has – uh, the Jet, at the Jets, at Philly, and then Jacksonville at home. They, they've been beating up on bad te- teams in this win streak. They should do that down the stretch, and they should get that number three seed, maybe the two seed. Uh, but it looks like it, it's probably going to be a Steelers-Chargers rematch or a Steelers-Ravens rematch or even a Browns. What if the Browns win the division? Could the Browns could win the division. Yeah, they still, technically still could. You know who else technically is now the playoff run? The NFC pictures, the Lions, right? I think I saw they had a point zero zero two percent. So may, let's make sure what if we ever talk about the NFC playoff picture, we include them in it too. So. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna t- point out that the Browns are five seven and one. If they were to win out, and they're in third place by the way, the NFC North. They haven't been in that spot since what 2015? 1835. <laughs> yeah, 2015. That's right. Um, okay. Yeah, 1835. Football went around in professional football, not here in 1835. They had the Broncos, Bengals, and Ravens. They could win out, and if the Steelers lose out, I'm not saying they're going to lose out, but they, I think that they could easily go one and two, and if Ben Roethlisberger got hurt and Jeff Driscoll beat Josh Dobbs, that's not crazy. The Steelers. Well, hold on, hold on. They go one and two. Wouldn't there be tiebreakers involved? Uh, no, 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 I'm saying like if, um, if they'll probably go one and two worst case, but they could go 0 and three if, uh, if, yeah. if Josh Dobbs had to Cleveland play. Cleveland have to win out. Pittsburgh have to lose out because Pittsburgh owns, owns a tiebreaker over That's Cleveland, correct. right? Because that, they're, they're, they're 1-0 and 1 against them. That is correct. And then, and then okay. of course the Ravens also have to, um, uh, drop two, uh, games, I believe. This is a terrible topic. We need to move on. Okay. This just got way too complicated. I find it fascinating the idea that the Browns could make this crazy run and make the playoffs. Oh, no, no, that's fascinating, but, like, we're still, like, two weeks away from, like, really looking at that as being a realistic or, or a, being a reality. I'm a big-picture guy, Brady. You got to, you know, that's just how I roll. You're a dreamer. Um, uh, yeah, you, you know, I like to look at the big picture, like, with the rookie quarterbacks. Who? Ooh, who nice. That's a good segue. Thanks. Ding. Uh, who would you, um, if you had to pick uh, one rookie quarterback out of the group that would be your, your number one? Like, you're, you're starting a team, and you got to pick one of the rookie quarterbacks, and you can pick uh, Baker Mayfield. Any any of them, uh, Mason Rudolph, if you want him to be your one, any of them. Uh, who would you be your new number one? 
Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, right, look, right now Baker's playing the best, but I just feel like Josh Allen. Ugh, man, wow, I mean, he he oozes so much potential. Josh so Allen, much ability. not Josh Rosen. Josh Allen, dude. Have you seen what he's doing? First off, he's three and five as a starter on the Bills. Okay. We're talking about the Bills. Like, do you know how they are not <laughs> a good? They they are struggling. Okay, I'll put it that way. They yeah, are they are so roster. far removed from what they were as a team last year with the things they've done and changed. He has given that team that city hope. Like he is, he is so good, and he has so much upside. I would I would I would literally rank the rookie quarterbacks as far as how they've performed this year: Baker, Josh Allen, Lamar, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. Wow, that's how I'd kind of put it. And by the way, they're not all that far apart from one another. They've all struggled to have a high completion percentage. Uh, I think at times they've struggled to take care of the football, but they've all demonstrated a lot of the things that we loved about them in college and we're seeing it in the NFL. And they've all, you know, showcased their ability to be effective. But Allen to me is the one that when people are like, oh, yeah, he's not very accurate. I'll tell you what, I watched their game this past week because I, I get the call the Lions Bills games coming up this week. Oh. And there were a lot of drop passes, man. I mean, there, were, there was a couple that I watched literally bounce off right in between the numbers of wide receivers. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, people are going to knock this guy for accuracy. Like, did they, did they, are they watching film and checking out his completion percentage and the adjusted completion percentage? And then who's even grading that? Is it some guy who's ever played football or some guy who's just you know, eating popcorn down in his parents' basement? But either, either way, I, I, I watch him and I feel like um, he'll continually get better. And as that team gets better around him and he actually has some help, like a running game, uh, they'll, I, I think he's the guy right now that you can see why the Bills took him number seven overall. Wow. I, okay. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised at the praise for Josh Allen because I agree with it, and I have a hot take. It's, it's actually the coldest possible take. I think all five of these first round guys are going to end up being really good. Like, I, yeah. I, I really do think they're all going to be good. I don't think there's not every single one of them is going to be a Hall of Famer. But I, I mean, I like what I'm seeing from Lamar Jackson. I know that he has to progress as a passer uh, and get become more accurate. But I think the same thing's true with Josh Allen. They both have to rely on their legs a little bit less. But I mean, Josh Allen is uh, look his his two top receivers against uh, against the Jets were Robert Foster and Isaiah McKenzie. Who these guys yeah. sound like they were manuf- like sounds like they were like uh, like the like the, the simulator and Madden created them. I mean, come on, look, these guys aren't real. We've heard of these guys. Uh, I I think Baker Mayfield is. Special, and I would if I was drafting young quarterbacks, say under the age of thirty, I would take Patrick Mahomes one and Baker Mayfield two. Yeah, look, I, I think everyone's on the Baker Mayfield hype train right now. Um, he's and, awesome, and he's man. Really he's well. awesome. Look, hold on, he's played well, but he also has a ton of help, dude. Sure. Like people, people look at you know, oh man, look at the plays he's making. Look who he's throwing to, man. Like he's throwing to a guy in Jarvis Landry who caught what th- it was three straight seasons of over a hundred receptions, or was it four? Am I am I missing something there? Like that guy's a catching machine. Why, why, aren't we do, got, why, why aren't we doing this about Patrick Mahomes then? I mean, he's got Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. He had Kareem Hunt. Uh, hey, I mean, Will, Will, I am. Okay, all right. All right. You, it, it's it, it's people on the outside who just continue like want to pump this up and don't want to kind of like let these guys come back down to earth. Like I, I am one who has kind of pumped the brakes on the hype around Patrick. He's playing great. Don't get me wrong, but again, like the separation between him and everyone else, even though statistically you're looking and saying, oh. I mean, him and him and the rest of these, you know, rookie quarterbacks. If you're going to compare these guys who are all playing in their first year, it's not even close. Uh, he's 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 been aided by a lot of those guys, and and people in this era, especially the the social media, 
Twitter sphere, all that, I'll be like, oh, it's just hating, bro. No, man, it's being realistic. I, I watch a lot of football, more so than anyone else. I'm, I'm willing to go ahead and put that out there and say that. And as, as good as Baker has looked at times, there's also times where I, I, I kind of sit there and say, how much better will he get? Like, mm-hmm. like I, and I said that about Baker when he came into the league. He's really good. He's one of the most accurate passers I've ever seen at any level. But the problem is he's not as physically gifted as Josh Allen is. That's true. So when Josh Allen could take off and run for over 90 yards for the past three games, and no quarterback's ever done that in three consecutive games since, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I forget the guy's name. It was, like, 1951, one of the Green Bay Packers quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, uh, it, it's special, dude. Like, and he's got an arm that, like, no one can rival. Like maybe, maybe Mahomes, that's about it. But I actually think his arm is stronger than Mahomes when you watch the ball at least on film and how it jumps across the screen. Wow, that's high praise. I, the other, I think Sam Darnold's not being talked about enough, which is crazy because he's the New York Jets quarterback. He has been hurt. I, I like. I think Sam Darnold is right in the middle. In, I think he's a lot closer to Josh Allen in terms of the help he's getting from people on New York. Right. Like he, yeah, he's done a lot of good things and has shown a lot of potential. It's weird to me that in. You know, it does help that Saquon Barkley's having a historic season that people are sort of pumping the brakes on Darnold, I guess, in that comparison. But uh, Darnold, to me, looks like he's going to be fine at the next level, too. No, he, he's a very talented player. Another guy doesn't have a ton of help. And I, and I know I put him kind of like fourth in the list, and I put him behind Lamar, who, look, Darnold's definitely by far and away a better passer at this point yeah. in his career. You really like you really liked Lamar coming out, though. I, I, well, I think Lamar had the, has the ability to, to turn into what – you know, he needs to be at the NFL level, whereas and he could be dynamic now running the football, but at some point he's got to continue to improve uh, his pocket passing. I think we've seen him do a little bit of that. Uh, but I, I just think overall, since watching Lamar get in there, there's been some times where he's made some mistakes, but I think Donald's made more of those mistakes. Like, like Donald at times has, has made some really bad decisions throwing the football around, and I know we've seen him more, so uh, it's unfair to compare him to Lamar. But uh, still, I mean, he's, he's got to do a better job of taking care of the football. But outside of that, he doesn't have a ton of help, and I think he's been a heck of a player. And, and look, Josh Rosen I have last, and I actually think Josh Rosen does a lot of things maybe better than Darnold and Lamar Jackson. Mm. Like his anticipation, um, I, I think, you know, sometimes his, his decision-making, when he decides to eat the football, throw it away, or, you know, get out there and scramble, um, he, he does some things better than some of those guys. And they put a lot on his plate, by the way when you talk to Byron Leftwich and, and, and what they ask him to do. And, and talk about another guy who doesn't have any help besides Larry Fitzgerald. And the entire game last week that I did for the Cardinals-Lions, they're doubling him almost the entire first half. There's only a couple times they can even target him uh, because of the, the game plan that Matt Patricia put together. So uh, another guy that doesn't have a ton of help and probably actually has the worst offensive line um, that any of these rookie quarterbacks are dealing with. When you think about the three rookies on the left side and two guys who just joined the team like two or three weeks ago. Oh, I think no doubt. I mean, that offensive line is a disaster. We we talked about it a little bit before. So yeah, that's it. But again, I think they're all going to be good, except Mason Rudolph. He's going to be terrible. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I have no idea if Mason Rudolph will be really good or not. I just think it's funny. Uh, and uh, was there another rookie quarterback who's getting snapped? Kyle Laletta? I mean, at some point, we got to see him, right? He threw an interception on, on Sunday. He yeah. Did. yeah. It was Luke Falk. Um, we yeah. had a lot of guys drafted yeah. out of that class, though. But if mean, five guys are starters next year, and that's the likely scenario, that's a really good draft class. And we'll see how they pan out. And, and it's always well, – I- it's too early. It, to it, it does cause you to say, all right, how many guys are going to be drafted in the first round next year? Because, you know, this class, I think it's going to have a fair amount of you know, underclassmen who enter. I think Dwayne Askins is probably going to enter. Mm. Uh, people keep thinking Kyler Murray is going to play football. I, I don't see that happening. 
Why would I, why would you go play football if you're Kyler Murray when you can go play baseball as the ninth overall pick, become a superstar, and make twenty million a year, guaranteed, fully guaranteed and for the next ten longer. years, and play longer yeah. without like having your brain bashed it, in, and maybe it's, getting cut because you're five nine. Get out of here. But yeah, and everyone's gonna everyone's gonna knock him for that, right? They're gonna say, oh, he can't play under center. He's got to play in shotgun, and he can't see everything. Can't anticipate all this stuff. Uh, I just you know, like the money's going to be their form in baseball. It makes more sense in my mind. I think a lot of the people who are like, oh, I'm not sold on him going to baseball yet. I'm like, come on, dude. You're just trying to continue this narrative because yeah. you feel like there's nothing else to talk about. Like to me, I don't care where people project him getting drafted and you're trying to make the conversation about money there. Like how long is this rookie deal for baseball? Uh, you know, I don't even know. You got four point six million, so I guess it's like. No, a, no, I know that, and everyone kind of compared that to. Okay, well, wh- where would he have to be drafted in order to make four four point six million? Well, the problem is, is if, you know, you'd have to make it over what a, a four year contract in if he was a second third round pick. It could be a five year deal if he was a first round pick, where he could make more. I just I don't see teams looking at him and saying, yeah, we're going to take him in the first round, knowing he's going to be able to come in after one year starting and have an impact to be the starter we need him to be. So. I mean, look, it's just a safer bet, and it's a better chance of him making more money playing longer and protecting his body by playing baseball. I need to figure out what his uh, what his contract actually is for baseball. I mean, I do know that like the, I mean, the timing typically. I guess I don't. I guess I've been out of this for too long. I just don't know. Uh, I mean, he got a four point six six million signing bonus, and then he become then he. I mean. We well, talking? yeah, that's how they paid them out. Then you don't really make much after that. Yeah, then you make the uh-huh. then you make the he'll be in the minors, and then he'll get paid. With his, but like, if he's any good, he's gonna his clock will start ticking, and he'll be, get paid like crazy when he when he becomes a free. Uh, I, I, here, here, here's what I got from Spotrac. So basically, nice yeah, all, all they list off is one year, four point six six million. Uh, so this was not helpful at all. Uh, <laughs> and then look, he's he's gonna play in the minors, and he'll have to ride in a bus for a while. And I think that's where yeah. th- that's where a lot of people are saying. Well, maybe it's not as appealing to him. Like, you go from being the man who wins the Heisman, uh, wins the Big 12 championship, and, you know, could get drafted maybe in the back end of the first round or second, third round, and you're immediately going to be slated as potentially being the guy. Whereas in baseball, you've got to kind of earn okay. I, I, price, I, right? I, I, got the, I got the details on the – the vague details on the baseball contract. This is how two grown men Google how do baseball contracts work on, uh, on, a, on a live podcast. Uh, basically, when they call him up to the – so they give him $4.66 He goes and plays in the minors, um, and they have uh, – I believe they have like uh, five years to call him up. Once he's up, he has six – like it's roughly like six or seven seasons, but only three of those are on – the the low contract cost and then it spikes to the arb years which is where he can go to arbitration and he'll make 18 million a year you know like he'll get 18 million yeah. and if he's any good they'll sign him to a massive deal uh beforehand because that's what most teams do it, so it's a no-brainer yeah. it really is right. man right i mean uh, the, the people who you know try to make an argument for football I, I, you almost question a little bit the, the the intelligence behind it i hope you weren't one of those people and Not i know there's a lot of people out there i respect that have but I think it's more for the clicks at this point than the reality of what the situation will be. I wouldn't let my son go play professional football if he also had a career as a prof- professional baseball player. Like, dude, go be a go be a left-handed pitcher. Who cares? Just go. Go. Maybe <laughs> a quarterback. Get out of here. Uh, all right, we're gonna get out of here. Unless you want to talk about anything else. No, that's pretty much all I had for today. Okay. Well, uh, actually, we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll come back and recap the Viking Seahawks game. Ooh.
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, wild ending to that game. Will Brinson still here with Brady Quinn, of course. We're going to recap uh, Monday Night Football very quickly. Seattle takes care of business 21-7, to beating the Minnesota Vikings at home. A little controversial moment at the end. Brady was kind enough to hang out and let me write the story. Uh, I got to really you know, see how the sausage works as I was making a title live on, uh, on the Behind the Scenes podcast. What's your big takeaway from that game, Brady, besides the fact that Kirk Cousins is overpaid? <laughs> oh, come on now. You know how uh, market economies work, right? That's what he was <laughs> worth once he got to free agency. Let's not go down that road. I, I think that the thing that you really have to appreciate about Seattle and, and this team is, you know, early on this year they weren't playing their best football. They really turned it on since then. And Pete Carroll's once again um, found a way to, like, transform this team back into what allowed him to win a Super Bowl and go to, what, back-to-back Super Bowls yep. five, six years ago. Do you think and, that – oh, sorry. You, no, go ahead. But I was going to ask you, do you think that it helps in, like, almost a college way to get some of the old star players out of there to bring in this new blood and to get these guys to buy into the whole compete, compete, compete mantra? Yeah, so, you know, I was there in the entire offseason 2013. I signed when the beginning of free agency hit and and then was there to the last cut and went to the Jets. And, you know, one, one thing I kind of took away from uh, that culture that Pete Carroll built was, one, how atypical it is from the rest of the NFL. It's so much fun. Everything is about being, like, optimistic, and it's it's almost like every team meeting is some sort of pep rally. Uh, it's an, it's an incredible environment to be a part of, but unless which that team ended up going on to win a Super Bowl that year, unless you're winning a Super Bowl or going to the Super Bowl and you're having that sort of that that sort of success, eventually you kind of sit there and say like, all right, is some of this stuff getting in the way of us winning? Mm. And you start to question that as you get older, and I think it gets tiring. And when you hear the same spiel over and over and over again. Yeah, like sometimes you need some new blood in there. And and I think the amazing thing is Pete Carroll went back and basically identified pieces on offense and defense that he wanted to surround his team with. And that was Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. Mm. I know K.J. Wright's there too, and, and he's part of that. But really it's Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. And then the rest of it, you know, they've been able to plug in players who fit the mold of what they had. I mean, when, when they went through the year of drafting Tedrick Thompson and Griffin and even bringing a guy like Trey Flowers this year and now converting him from a safety into a cornerback, with the long dreads, you just have visions of Richard Sherman. That's what he looked like. And 
this this secondary is starting to play like that. They found guys like Frank Clark or whoever you want to talk about up front that has has been able to kind of replicate the pass rush of what they had with Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, and those guys. And it, it's just they're they're almost mirror images of one another. And then bringing in Brian Schottenheimer was a Mike Solari, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Yep. The way they've been able to transition this offensive line with guys like George Fant, um, who you know was a, was a basketball player and converted him into a tackle, and now it's finally hitting home, and you're seeing how much better he can be. Justin Britt's always been good, but then J.R. Sweezy, you know, leaving the team. I first off, being a converted defensive lineman from NC State. From NC State, that's right. We'll go Wolfpack. He <laughs> he plays for the Seattle Seahawks, has success, then goes and cashes in go with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Things don't work out, and he comes back, and then now it's all working out. So. It's it's just crazy to me how Pete's been able to find that formula for success once again. It's the exact same that he had before, but him and John Schneider do as good of a job as any, of anyone of identifying talent people who fit probably as, as good as Bill Belichick, but fit w- within the rules of what they're looking to do to try to have success. And then obviously Russell Wilson, um, I, I alluded to earlier in tonight's show, he he made a critical error, terrible decision, really could have came back to bite them had the officials not botched a call, but that wasn't the case in the game. Yeah. Um, let's get to that botch. But on the Pete Carroll, just, it is, it is fascinating to me that, um, at the owners meetings this off season, everyone, writers, the media were just hanging around Sean McVay and, and Kyle Shanahan, like, Oh man, you guys are so amazing. You like, and it's like over the Seattle table, it's like Mike Sando and, and John Clayton just sitting there. And it's nobody's talking to Pete Carroll. And it was like, that was never been the case as long as Pete Carroll's been in Seattle. And you could, t- I mean, you could really, you could, I think there's been a little bit like the Richard Sherman talk, all of that sort of rejuvenated him and made him really want to make a run here. And, and now Seattle, of course, uh, almost a lock at eight and five to make the playoffs in the NFC. They are two games clear of uh, of the Redskins and the and the Eagles and the Panthers, and should be. The you know five. who they are? Who are they? They're they're the L.A. Chargers of the NFC. Yeah, like they're that team that right now. I don't know that anyone really wants to play the way Russell Wilson's playing, the way they're running the football and playing defense. They're that team. Yeah. Um, and, can, can, and 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 I think it's kind of a fair comparison where like we we both look at them and say they're locks to get in the playoffs. It just comes down to how they're going to play on the road. You know, but it would be crazy to see a Chargers Seahawks Super Bowl. Wouldn't be that crazy at all. It, w- it wouldn't be crazy. It's Someone like you would probably predict that and be okay with being wrong. Well, I mean, two NC State quarterbacks in the Super Bowl at one time. What, I knew it was going to go there. What, First off, <laughs> Russell, if you're Russell, do you claim NC State or Wisconsin? Like, I think he claims more Wisconsin than NC State based on how things worked out. I think NC State's disowned him at this point anyway. It's all Rivers. Yeah, anyway. I think uh, I actually asked that once. and he, he. If you ask him off the record... No, I asked him on the record and off the record, and I think he kind of just skirted the question yeah, in, in yeah. both ways. Yeah. I've ta- I've, yeah, I mean, I've mentioned off the record questions about uh, Tom O'Brien before, and he's sort of like, like I'm not, a- I'm not answering that. I don't know who you are. There, uh, there was like an automated answer. Like yeah, it it's like, robot. hold on, like, oh, let okay. me dial up my answer. Uh, yeah. Russell Bot three thousand. What, what did Pete Carroll say? Yeah, Pete told me to like khakis and isotoners. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, oh, I know. My prediction for the Seahawks, I think it's a the stone cold lock of the century. The Seahawks are going to get the five seed. They're going to go to Dallas in the wild card weekend and they're going to be like three point underdogs and they are going to beat the uh, Cowboys outright. Uh, as Jason Garrett makes some flub of a, of a coaching decision. Speaking of flubs, the 
the officials flubbed something pretty bad here. So yeah. on the field, this is the block field goal in question. For those that didn't see it, it was a fourth and nine. Dan Bailey is attempting a 47 yard field goal with the Vikings trailing six to nothing, looking to make it six three. Uh, this is following on Minnesota going for it on fourth. I don't know how you, did you thought about that fourth down attempt by Minnesota at the goal line. They could have made it six three instead. Uh, yeah, they get the kickback and Seattle goes for, you know, can't, goes three and out to get the ball back. Quickly. But, I'm okay with it because I think in Seattle in the fourth quarter, with the game the way it went, uh, you have to go win it. Okay. And, and I'll get to that after we're done discussing this call. But you you have to go win it. That, that's another okay. thing that I'll, I'll again I'll get to after we talk about this officiating call because of the philosophy of Seattle. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm fine with that too. So anyway, they they go for it. Uh, they get it back. They, they end up having to kick a field goal. Bobby Wagner is lined up on the line, and he's stationary, so he's not running. Now, the NFL has made points of emphasis to add in situations where a, um, a an offense— you, you want me to go ahead and define this? Here's what it's called. What's in question is called leveraging, and yeah. how it works is well, the, the player has to be on the line of scrimmage, yep. which what that means is he has to be lined up, not necessarily in line with everyone else, but at least at the feet no, the no running, no running, no running start. It's what it yeah, is. Yeah, no, no really moving start. Yeah, it's not like no running start, no moving start. So even if you're, for example, lined up behind a defensive line and you move laterally, then like even though it's not technically running, you can't have a moving start. You have to be on the line of scrimmage at that point. And then what happens is once the ball is snapped, when if you do choose to jump, and you're you're allowed to, you can be at a two point, you can be a three three point, as long as you're on the line of scrimmage, it doesn't matter. Yep. If you do jump. You cannot make contact with anyone. Your team, their team, anyone. Clearly he made contact with his own players, and I do think it helped aid him in maintaining his balance to then block the kick. And here, here's the specific rule. In the running, it says running forward and leaping across the line of scrimmage in an obvious attempt to block a field goal uh, or apparent kick unless the leaping player is in a stationary position on the line of scrimmage where the ball is snapped. However, it fell under something else. And this is really specific, and it's impo- it's incredible that the refs who flagged this and then picked it up, this is uh, P, placing a hand or hands on a teammate or opponent to gain additional height or block to block or attempt to block an opponent's kick or apparent kick or an attempt to jump through the yeah. gap to Again, block it's, like it's will will you're yeah. overcomplicating it it's called leveraging all right yeah, yeah, Dean Blandino but, sends out these videos it's very easy it's just called leveraging you don't need to just you don't need to get explain it to everyone else you just can't touch anyone to leverage yourself to get up any higher to get up over. It's that right. simple. Yeah, yeah. But, again, I'm saying that it very clearly states you cannot put your hands on a teammate or opponent. And he puts both of his hands on his teammates. Now, I thought he did it in a crafty fashion where he, he like, got his hands low enough and sort of jumped through the gap. And he didn't jump really high. And then he blocked the kick afterwards. Like, it, it seemed like it was practiced. But it's clearly a violation. And it's crazy that they flagged it and then picked it up. I would be irate if I'm Mike Zimmer after seeing that. Yeah, I mean, clearly they missed the call. You, you would have been in a completely different situation moving forward. And, and who knows how that impacts the, the rest of the game. And, and here's what I know. Just from being there in Seattle, one of the things that, you know, especially even through preseason, like this team views every single game as an opportunity to win and kick someone's butt. And the way they talk about the fourth quarter is this. We get to the fourth quarter with a lead, and then we play good defense, we get turnovers or get stops, and we get the football and we run out the clock, and we put them in the meat grinder. That's exactly how they described it. <laughs> and that was exactly how the fourth quarter went. They had that 6 nothing lead, aided by the block kick, but then you just saw them put them in the meat grinder. All of a sudden, Minnesota's one-dimensional. They've got to be able to make some plays in the passing game against the pass rush and a good secondary, and Russell Wilson making a huge play with his legs 
it's, it's a really, you know, that kind of sealed the game in my mind, the little boot action that he, he kept it early in the game and the exact same action, exact same play, not as big of a game, but they ran it a second time around, uh, an even better result running the football. Yeah, I, I, Russell, they keep doing this, Brady, where they, they keep having really good outings and Russell had 72 passing yards no touchdowns and one interception on going 10 for 20 Chris Carson ran the ball pretty well but it was one of those where it's like it's a war of attrition we're just going to find a way to get this win I thought the defense played some pretty exceptional football I'm what are your thoughts I know that I know that um, Jason Witten and, and Booger McFarland who Really have just got to go at this point. It's been a it's been a long season. I, I mean, I get to talk to you every Monday night, which is fun. But um, uh, you know, having to sit through the live having to like live blog these games with Witten is is just excruciatingly painful. Uh, but they were pointing out they think there's some tension between John DiFilippo and Mike Zimmer. You think it's there? Maybe, and I think the difficulty again, as we've talked about this, I think before, is, is when you're a first time play caller, you're still figuring out your own identity. And you're still figuring out the identity of your team. And I know we're at the point in the season where you should have that figured out by now. It's his first year doing it. I mean, for, for all the people who thought he was going to be able to come in and just you know, sprinkle this magic pixie dust and the Vikings were going to be a team that, because their defense is going to get to the NFC Championship game and get to a Super Bowl, that's not how it works. I mean, the, the play color plays a pretty pivotal role in that. I think we've, we've seen that with guys like Sean McVay and Matt Nagy. And there was no guarantee that – just because of the, the success of the Philadelphia Eagles last year, that that was going to translate to what the Vikings had. Now, Cousins is a different story. Uh, it, it's unfortunate because, you know, I, I always feel like he doesn't have a ton of help, and now he's, what, 0-7 on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. He's got a terrible record in prime time. And, but, it, look, it, it's kind of a product of just kind of what this game was. I mean, you point out the stats for Russell Wilson. It wasn't like it was great for him. And I thought, you know, again, Cousins didn't have as much help. And their offensive line – I don't think has played well at all this year, no. and, and that's been part of it. So uh, it, it's unfortunate. I, I think their offense is uh, trying to figure a lot of things out, and it, but to me it all starts up front. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on Cousins tonight. He doesn't have the ability of Russell Wilson to get outside the pocket and, and make those sorts of plays like we saw to help them seal the game. But maybe that's the bigger question is, and maybe that's for a lot of teams out there who are looking at that next franchise quarterback – Maybe the guy should look more like Russell Wilson mm. as far as how he plays and what he's capable of doing than a guy like Kirk Cousins. Uh, by the way, the ESPN Mike's picked up Adam Thielen. <laughs> I mean, you heard it clear as day. I don't know if you heard it or not. He, he yelled, it's been there all bleeping day uh, after he caught a pass on the sideline and Clearly frustrated. Uh, frustration was setting in for Thielen, who finished the day with seven targets, five catches, 70 yards, no scores. Uh, Dalvin Cook had the only touchdown pass in, in what amounted to garbage time uh, for the Vikings. I mean, it is weird that this Vikings team has sort of trailed off and does it. Like, I would not pick them. I would not at, I don't know what the line would be if they went into Chicago in a in wild card weekend as the sixth seed going up against the three seed. I love the Bears in that spot against a terrible offensive line. I think, I think the world of Mike Zimmer and think he's an awesome coach. I just don't know if he can overcome that offensive line and, and, and the problems they bring with it when Cousins can't step up his game against good teams. Well, forget about Cousins. I mean, even John D. Filippo going up to Vic Fangio. Yeah, I, I, I give the ed- edge to Vic Fangio. I think you're right. You know, that offensive line versus that defensive line, it, it's going to be a nightmare for him. So we, we've seen that once in prime time. I think we'd see a very similar result on the exact same field. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, any other takeaways from uh, Monday night before we get out of here? Um, 
No, I mean, I just, you know, the, the officiating blunder is very dude, surprising. Dude, there, it really there, is. It's every game they're doing this. They have to get some centralized replay. I mean, it's it's terrible. Like, the, the Cowboys-Eagles game on Sunday had multiple issues. Like, the Dallas Goddard offensive P.I., uh, they had the clear, they, the, the, the situation where they're like, oh, there was no clear recovery. I mean, clear, I don't know. It's, it, I don't know how much as a former player you think it's, has it, do you think it's gotten worse or do we just notice it more? I'm not sure. I, I think two things between you know Jalen Smith not getting called um, for the, the new helmet rule yeah. a couple weeks ago versus the Saints, yeah. and then Zeke Elliott getting called for it this past week was a bit bizarre. And then we've seen other penalties called for leveraging. Um, there was a call made. I think it was a couple weeks ago. I can't remember which team that it was. And, and by the way, again, that specific penalty we're talking about with Bobby Wagner – or I guess lack thereof a penalty since it was picked up. Um, it's really in the best interest of the player who's leaping. You know they're trying to do all they can to protect him because once you jump over, you know then you got bodies flying everywhere and you never know how he's going to land, how he's going to fall. So that was the intent of it. It's player safety as well as sure. um, trying yeah. to not necessarily give some of these guys a huge advantage. But well, well, they're also trying to like Cam Chancellor started the thing where he was running and jumping on the backs and neck of offensive linemen who were down in a, a vulnerable position and then sprinting into block. And they, they were like, Hey, stop shoving your cleats in my back. And they fixed it. Yeah. Right. Against a player safety, yeah, uh, yeah. but a way to hit home that point. Will I really appreciate it. I can that. read the rule book again. If you want me to, I, I, I don't, I like reading <laughs> the rule book. I don't mind. Again, like I, again, <laughs> if you, I know they're not a part of, you know, our network, but I do work for other networks and uh, Dean and Mike Pereira, Dean Blandino, Mike Pereira, you got to follow them on Twitter. You got to, you know, I'll watch all the stuff that they put out. They make it very easy, clear and concise what's going on. That's why they are paid the big bucks. And that's why everyone's kind of followed suit at trying to bring on people like them to help explain some of this. Wow. Real shot at Gene's territory there. I'm going to have to report you. No, I shot at Gene. I mean, first off, I don't really know Gene. <laughs> Second, kidding. I'm just, just giving a compliment to the guys who I feel like are, are, are the best in the business. And, and look, you do have to give credit where credit's due. Fox made that move first. Sure. And they brought, they brought in these, you know, you know, both, both two people, I think, can explain the rule book and make it much easier for everyone else to absorb. So no, no, you no, give him credit for Pereira that. and, and Blandino are the opposite of Jeff Triplett, who's working these Monday night games. They won't put Triplett on camera. It's Serator too. They won't put Triplett on camera. They bring him out there after the case. They're like, Jeff, uh, what's the deal with this play? He's like, oh, yeah, I think that's illegal. And, uh, and they're like, all right, Jeff, uh, we'll be back. And then they're like 20 minutes. Later, you know like, what's bizarre like, is they, they sit there and talk to an entire crowd. I mean, like when you had to make an announcement to an entire stadium, yeah, they seem to do a better job than them. Yeah. They're like behind a microphone, behind the scenes, they can't can barely talk. It's just so weird. Yeah, no, but I do think that Blandina, I mean, uh, Pereira particularly, look, he made the, it was a smart business move to jump from officiating. And I, and I read a story on him on the ringer.com and it just sounded like he was, he had some, maybe some personal stuff and he was burnt out and he needed to get recharged and, and he was able to do that when he moved over to the broadcasting side. And, and I mean, he's good at it. He's, he's, he's affable and he's, he's charming and he can sort of explain things in real time. I will say that, I mean, I, you know, it, it is hard. I don't know that they necessarily either one of them comes down with a concrete decision when something is happening though. I'd like to see a little more, you know, lay it on the line a little more Dino and, and Mike. Uh, no, they, they have when I've been with them. Okay. Um, there's definitely been times they do. They days. also walk the line between college and pro, which is pretty impressive. It's really impressive. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say, just on that note, <clears throat> I, I think sometimes they are they're so close to some of these guys who are still working. Sure. 
they've got to be careful of, you know, or they have to, they, they feel like they can't necessarily disagree or say, Hey, these guys really messed up this call. You know, it's like, that 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 doesn't necessarily go well with your buddies, especially when you have to be critical of them. Yeah, so. sometimes I'm worried that um, like I'm going to say something about a, a coach, and you're like, he's actually one of my good friends. I'm like, oh, really? All right, cool. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> like, you know, Brian Schott. I mean, well, Brian Schottenheimer's done a good job this year, so I can't criticize. He's him. done a tremendous job. He really, has, he really has. Again, credit to him. Credit to to Pete Carroll for bringing him in. I mean, figure out the right guy, and then being able to get this thing going in the right direction. So I, all, all parties involved, but it, it's been. It's been fun to watch. I mean, it's good to see Seattle back in the mix. They're a fun team. It's a great place for people who've never been there for a game. You got to go to Seattle. Chewing gum and wearing khakis. That's how it should be in the National Football League. You got to make sure you got this big white, like old school Walker Nike. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I just said. Isoturners. Isoturners are gloves. They're the. They look like the. Um. Yeah, like the. They look like hospital shoes. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're like the geriatric walkers yeah. is what they are. Exactly. Which is, I, I'm not, I shouldn't I make fun of anyone. My feet are so bad now. Will I basically wear those? Well, you had a foot injury that basically knocked you out of. I've I mean, got two, yeah. but one is really, really ugly. Do you wear the Cole Haan, um, uh, I do. dress shoes? Dress shoe. yeah, yeah. They're so awesome. There's, there's actually two. There's actually two. So I wear a Cole Haan because they have like that nice, really soft padding underneath. Yeah. Those are great. And there's actually this company, this kid invented, um, I shouldn't say invented them. But he used to work at a running shoe company. He used to work at New Balance. He broke off, started creating his own shoe. It's called Wolf and Shepherd. Those are more of like your traditional like dress shoe, but they are a thousand times more comfortable than really? anything else you'll find, and they're about in the same price range. Um, but the difference is the Cole Haan ones are just so much more comfortable, but yeah. they don't look well, quite as good as these other ones. Well, yeah, like the Cole Haan ones look. Like, I mean, like my my wife hates them. She's like, "What do you do? Yeah. What do you do?" I'm, I'm telling you, dude. If you do, if that's the case. Try Wolf and Shepherd. I'm on you there should right remember now. that because you know NC State Wolfpack. Yeah, I'm on there Wolf right now. and Shepherd. Try it out. So these, so they just have like basic. I like that this is veered into loafer talk. Um, that the, these, uh, they basically they have like man, these things drivers. Are like, they have everything. You check out the website Wolf and Shepherd. You'll find it. Check wow. it out. I'm, I'm, I'm looking on it right now. I was going to break down some. I was going to do some film breakdown of shoes. Uh, but we've been doing this too long. Podcast is running. Uh, so let's get out of here. We will uh, talk to you next week. Follow Brady Quinn at three rd underscore goal. And watch him on CBS Sports HQ. Always fun, buddy. Yep. Talk to you next week.